Historically and today, our country has been overrun by those with money and power, giving little voice to the everyday American. We're here to change that. Welcome to All Rise, the Libertarian Way with retired Judge Jim Gray. Each week, our program addresses the problems we are facing in our country, as well as thought-provoking and effective libertarian solutions. This could change the way you see opportunities in your life and your children's lives as well. Now, here is Judge Jim Gray. Well, hello and welcome, wherever you are in our great country and around the world. Uh, This is Judge Jim Gray on the Voice America Variety Network, and I'm really happy Ah, I'm excited to be with you on this introductory segment of All Rise, the Libertarian Way with Judge Jim Gray. The, as you know, when a judge takes the bench for the first time during the day, usually the bailiff yells or shouts out, All Rise, and people stand up, not to glorify the judge, but, to, but the office. But if we adopt the libertarian approach in our country, we will all rise. And that's what the whole theme of this is, that there are answers to these problems. And in the weeks to come, We'll discuss many of the issues of our day that have a large effect upon ourselves, on our children, and also on our country and the world. But by no means do I purport to have all the answers. But in fact, if I run into somebody that has all the answers, I run as fast as I can in the opposite direction. But I strongly believe that we should be able to discuss, openly and honestly discuss, anything, be it politics, religion, sexual issues, education, anything. And if we share ideas, we can learn from each other and make this world a better place where we can all rise. To introduce myself, I will tell you directly that the best decision I ever made in my life was choosing my parents. And I've been the beneficiary of that so-called choice ever since. I was born to Elizabeth and Bill Gray, supportive, loving parents, upper educational level, uh, middle class, upper middle class, and it gave me some numbers of benefits. But I think it's kind of run my life that we have a moral obligation to help those that did not choose quite so well. So these are things that I think that we should all take into account. I graduated from UCLA, and I remember just to go through my background a little bit for you, that I was sitting at my desk supposedly studying one evening as a high sophomore, and it just hit me that all three things were things I was going to do. One was I was going to change my major from business to history. The second was I was going to join the Peace Corps. And then the third was after the Peace Corps, I would go to law school. And I ended up doing that. So I graduated from UCLA. I was then down in Palmar Norte, Costa Rica, which is in the southern part of the country. I was an Educación Física uh, professor. That is, I taught physical education, recreation, health. And in fact, although I've never seen it, I think I should be in the Guinness Book of Records because I brushed my teeth in front of probably more elementary school classes than anyone in history. But uh, at any rate... What I also learned is that if you're going to make change, uh, if you're going to, to help people make changes, move on, they have to feel those changes. And that uh, uh, those, those are things that we don't really do very often in our society. 
after I got back from Costa Rica, uh, I went to law school at USC. I was receiving, within a week of my coming back, a 1A classification for the draft and a notice for a physical. So I, I knew where my life was going to go. But I joined the Naval ROTC so that I could finish my law school uh, before I'd go into the military. And uh, I did that. Uh, there was a big irony in my life back then. This is 1970. Uh, in which uh, I led a peace march. Uh, Nixon had just gone into Cambodia, and uh, I actually was upset by that enormously and helped lead a peace march from USC to the steps of City Hall in uh, Los Angeles and sent about 20,000 letters to Nixon saying, get out of Cambodia. The irony was uh, I had my first-class midshipman cruise with the Navy, and about two months after that, I was on the rivers of Vietnam in a training cruise. And in fact, probably and I haven't researched this, but probably was one of two people in the history of the United States Navy that was awarded a combat action ribbon on a training cruise. Nonetheless, I got back out of the Navy. I served at the U.S. Naval Air Station in Guam and at the Naval Air Station in Lemoore, California as a criminal defense attorney and uh, learned a great deal from all of that. I then came out of that and went into the U.S. Attorney's Office in Los Angeles, where I was a federal prosecutor, and in fact ended up uh, heading a section on frauds against the, uh, against the government, the FHA, the VA, and in fact, look back now, and, and you see that, that government in many ways creates problems, causes problems, and one of them back was when I was prosecuting, uh, there would be people who would understand that the United States government would guarantee loans for the FHA and the VA, and so they would find, for example, people that had VA benefits, they'd go up to them, they'd say, hey, look, if you'll sign all these papers, we'll pay you $300, $400, so they'd end up buying a house, even though, of course, they didn't know it, and we prosecuted quite a few bank vice presidents, notary publics, people like that, because they would simply put in a fictitious loan to the government, the government would, in effect, guarantee it, so the bank would get its money, they'd get its fees, uh, and eventually, you know, six months, nine months later, when no payments were coming in, uh, the house would go into dis repair. It would be, uh, of course, block, blocked off. Uh, vandals would come in. They'd take the toilets and the bathtubs. My goodness, they'd even take the copper wire outside of the electrical wiring. And then, of course, the government's left with a shell of a house. Terrible thing for the neighborhoods because it's awful to have vacant houses in your neighborhood. So there was one house, I remember, we prosecuted it three times where it would go through this process once, they'd repair it at our expense uh, to go through the process a second time and a third time. So these are things that I just started looking back on as I got older and realizing that, yes, I mean, it's a great idea in its inception for the government to, to underscore and, and guarantee these loans, but it just wouldn't work. Looking back later, you remember this banking crisis we had in 2008 uh, with regard to the housing industry, and it was really caused by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, again, by guaranteeing loans. So if someone has a bank and they're responsible and a, a potential buyer loaner comes in and, no, you just don't have the equity, you can't uh, get this loan, uh, Congress literally told the banks that we want everyone to join in the American dream and own a home. So some banks would start giving out loans that would be guaranteed by the government uh, pretty easily. And sometimes transparently, uh, you, someone just wasn't qualified. They wouldn't be able to pay it back. But why not? We might as well issue the loan, get our fees. The government will guarantee it. And so that's what happened. So even the responsible banks, the shareholders were looking, saying, wait a minute, look at that bank across the street. 
you know, they're making these loans, they're making more money, why don't you do it too? So banks started doing that. Literally, almost completely caused by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac uh, because of loan guarantees. You take it out of the private sector and get the government to intrude, you start having problems. Let me give you a real example of government-inflicted problems on the society, and that is with uh, Mao Zedong in China. And as we now know, you know, he went and told his farmers, oh, we're not just going to have a wheat crop. We're going to have trees of wheat. So plant the wheat lower. Plant it two feet underground, and then it will grow up, and, and it'll be marvelous, and we'll have free wheat for everyone because we'll have such an abundance. Well, the farmers did what they were told, and, of course, the wheat didn't come up at all, and we had millions of people starving. Okay, thereafter, Mao Zedong, not to outdo himself, said, oh, wait a minute, we're needing to have a war on sparrows because the sparrows are eating the seed, they're eating the crop coming up, we've got to get rid of the sparrows, and they did. And they had the biggest infestation of insects that you can believe, and more millions of people died. So we need to understand government should not be in the marketplace. And now you're beginning to understand a libertarian view. At any rate, after leaving the Navy, I was in private practice for about five years, and then at the end of 1983, I was appointed as a judge of the Superior of the uh, trial court, the municipal court here in Orange County, California, and I served as a trial court judge for 25 years. I actually retired 10 years ago, and as I tell my my people now when I'm doing mediations, which is trying to resolve cases, uh, I became a judge when I was 12 years old. That's why I'm still so young. And I don't allow, of course, any cross-examination on that issue at all. But uh, we end up uh, doing those sorts of things. Uh, what do we get out of life? What do we get out of our jobs if we're fortunate? And the answer is, you know, if we're really lucky, it's called gratification. It's not power, it's not prestige, it's not even love, uh, it's not wealth. You, you can get gratification from those things, but it's really just knowing that the world is a somewhat better place because I was here. And I got a great deal of gratification out of helping people resolve their cases. Uh, I'm proud to say that I was the settled as a, as a trial court judge, probably the first sexual priest Catholic priest sexual molestation case in the world uh, back, oh gosh, 20, 22 years ago, uh, and it really was a great feeling. Uh, we were able to install new protections into the diocese of Orange County, Los Angeles County, uh, to try to keep this venomous, awful, hideous thing from happening again. Uh, candidly, one of the great moments in my life, I had a trial set in which two brothers were suing each other and they hadn't spoken to each other in 12 years and by the time we were done you just didn't get in there listen to them uh, understand sympathize in fact i'll pass along something to you that really works uh, i was in it when counseling one time with my uh, then smaller daughter and the counselor said jim put yourself in the ozone i said you know what does that mean when someone's talking to you oh Oh, oh, 
it, it's responsive, but it's sympathetic, but also not committal. And I use that a lot with regard to my mediations where people just want you to understand, to feel, to listen. So by the time I was done, after a couple of hours uh, with this case, I had the two brothers standing in my courtroom, arm in arm, saying, I can't believe that we haven't spoken to each other in 12 years. The plaintiff said he was going to dismiss the, the case. They'd work it out together, and they left my courtroom arm in arm. You know, these are things that we are able to do. And in fact, I'll tell you that in many ways, our justice system really is working, and you should be proud of it. Yes, it's expensive. Yes, it could be better. We should all work toward those ends. But basically, it is working. And of course, the alternative to our justice system, uh, civil, would be to have yet even more government regulation, uh, which I don't know anyone that wants that to happen. Uh, one time I had a case in which uh, there was this mixed couple. It was, a, I think, a black husband and a Caucasian wife, and uh, some neighbor children wrote the word nigger on their, on their garage door. And there was a lawsuit, and we ended up resolving it, but only, and it was up to me to decide if there was a heart felt apology, not only from the children that had done this, but their parents, and there was, and where tears flowing, we need to reduce these difficulties in our uh, in our society, and we're all able to do that. So as we go in this all-rise, the libertarian way with Judge Jim Gray, we'll have a session pretty soon on dispute resolution, uh, not only among adults or certainly in the court system, but even among younger people to try to focus on resolving these various disputes before they get out of hand. Just to continue on this a little bit, uh, I remember I was one time on a probation violation calendar, uh, and there was this man, and I had a system in which, because I'd get a report back from the probation department, and they would give me a, a report as to how the various defendants were doing on it. And if it was three stars, that means basically they were kind of treading water, uh, doing okay. Two or one stars meant that they were not. But if they get four stars, that told me that they had adopted the system, that they had put themselves into it, which was wonderful. And if it was five stars, which was the highest, that means not only they got the message, but they were passing the message on to their confederates. So I had a rule that if anyone would get five stars, I would come down off the bench and shake their hands. And I did this one time, and I'll never forget that there was a man probably in his mid-30s, and he got five stars. I came down, congratulated him, and shook his hand. And uh, he actually came out in tears, thinking, saying to me, Your Honor, no male has ever given me any congratulations or a pat on the back in my life. And I thought, wow, I mean, these are things that we really need to do. So the purpose of the criminal justice system is certainly not to punish, it's to use that, and sometimes there are people that see us as their lawful prey in which, uh, you know, we just need to remove them from society, but the idea is to reduce crime, to reduce heartache, to reduce these harms, and we use jail as a tool to do that. Criminal offenses, you know, we need to address each one. I did that. I started the first drug court in the nation, as far as I know, back in 1984. And in fact, I kept them. I, I still treasure them. I would take people off alcohol, and it would really work. You have the threat of confinement, the threat of losing their license, their driver's license for six months. And I still have letters, for example, from mothers or for, from wives saying, Dear Judge Gray, I was going to divorce my husband because he'd get drunk, he'd hit me, he'd be irresponsible with the children, but now that he's off alcohol, you've given me my husband back. I mean, how many 
letters like that do you need before you know that what you're doing is working? So these are things that we need to do. We have a benefit of being a citizen. Yes, we have many benefits, but we also have obligations. And one of them is, of course, not only to be just a voter, but to be an educated voter. Educate yourself about the issues. Educate yourself about the candidates. Vote how you will, but I think we owe that obligation. To serve on juries when called upon. To pay your taxes. And if I'm a libertarian, I'm convinced that taxes are too high, but nonetheless, uh, we should pay, our, pay them when they're, they're due. Uh, to make the system work. And one thing that we can really talk about making the system work is a criminal defense attorney, that they make the prosecution prove the guilt of their clients to a jury of neutral 12 people beyond a doubt based upon reason. And if that happens, the system worked. We're all in a position to do these sorts of things. So I'm not interested in politics, but I am interested in government. I was the Republican candidate for Congress back in 1998. Uh, but with the passage of the so-called Patriot Act, I, be, I could no longer be a part of the Republican Party, not a part of any organization that would condone, much less assist, this direct attack on our civil liberties. So I left the Republican Party. It took me about 13 seconds to decide I'm really a libertarian. I ran for U.S. Senate in 2004 against Barbara Boxer and Bill Jones, just knowing I wasn't going to win. I was running as a libertarian, but wanting to be a part of the discussion. These are things that are important. We need to do this to discuss these various issues. So I'm going to be discussing issues with you. We will have our really interesting guests coming up. And uh, I'm telling you, we will all end up rising if, in fact, we employ these various aspects. So I'll come back in a few minutes and we'll talk about what it is to be a libertarian, what our values are, who would win in a libertarian government, uh, and who would be the losers. And I think you'll be happy to hear what those answers and responses will be. So stay tuned. We're going to come back and have a really good discussion. That's this introductory part of All Rise, The Libertarian Way with Judge Jim Gray. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Do you understand your feline friends as well as you'd like? Why do they behave the way they do? 
If behavior issues get out of hand, how do you fix things? Get the answers and more when you listen to Cat Talk Radio with host Molly DeVos. We'll give you the straight facts, offer some tried and tested ideas, and alert you as to what's being done in this country and worldwide to save cats and shelter challenges. Cat Talk Radio on Voice America Variety. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to All Rise, The Libertarian Way with retired Judge Jim Gray. To find out more about Judge Gray, visit JudgeJimGray.com. That's JudgeJimGray.com. Now, back to All Rise. And we are again back on uh, one on uh, All Rise. I was a judge for 25 years, as I said. And, uh, you know, we got to have a little lightheartedness in this world as well. So sometimes I say, well, look, do you know what it is, uh, qu- the qualities to be a judge? Well, there are three. One is to have gray hair to show that you're, you're wise. Another is wrinkles to show that you've been around. And a third is hemorrhoids for that look of concern. Well, I'm not sure that that's accurate, but why not? you got to have a little fun on the way. I understand, please, that no one speaks of the Libertarian Party. But this is kind of one man's approach, and I think it's fair to say, as far as libertarians are concerned, unlike Democrats, unlike Republicans, but libertarians are not special interest driven. We are a grassroots movement that rely on individuals who believe in the principles of freedom and who expect no favors in return from government. So as such, a Libertarian Party works for the people, works for the rights of the people, their property, their safety, their well-being, which, as a result, benefits virtually everyone in our country and, in many cases, in the entire world. Accordingly, the Libertarian movement today, in my view, furnishes a much-needed beacon of hope for America. This is not, though, please, it is not a system of anything goes, far from it, because in a libertarian society, we enforce contracts, we enforce warranties, we enforce responsibility at all levels of life. And that's, of course, not only individual, but corporate and governmental. So these are things that we're just gotten away from. And I think people see how polarized we are in society. What can we do? Well, Under a libertarian approach, I think people in general would come out ahead and special interests and bloated governments would lose much of their power. One thing big government is really, really good and efficient at is increasing the size, the power, and the cost of big government. But to elaborate on this subject, I think the following statements you'd be interested in and hearing some libertarian principles as well as some examples of who'd be the winners in a libertarian world, and who would be the losers? Well, principles. We have made a major mistake as libertarians around the country because we've allowed other people to label us. And we're labeled as greedy. We're labeled as survival of the fittest. We're, we're labeled as not caring. None of those things are true. None of those things are true at all. But what we would say, for example, if I were lying on the street right in front of you, 
and, and you would have no legal obligation to help me unless you'd help cause my injuries. That would be different, but no legal obligation. Just because I'm alive does not mean that you have a legal obligation to pay me money or to help me, but we will because we want to, because we're compassionate people. So the result is the same, but it's done in effect because we care as a government. And I think that that's critical. We do care, but maybe the people receiving that medical help or otherwise might even be appreciative. I mean, they're not entitled to it, but they will receive it because we care. We're a compassionate society. So as to libertarians, I think we would categorize ourselves as being financially responsible. Huh, what a concept today. Financially responsible and socially accepting. Therefore, the statement you are free to live your life the way you choose as long as you don't wrongly hurt other people or take their stuff. It's frequently used to explain our views. And in addition, and I've given this some thought, and I put together something I call One Man's Libertarian White Paper that you can get either write to me and my email address I'll give to you. It's Judge Jim Gray, uh, excuse me, my website is judgejimgray.com, as you just heard, or jimpgray at sbcglobal.net. Jim, like James, P as in Peter, Gray, G-R-A-Y, I've fought that battle all my life, at sbcglobal.net. And I will send you a copy of One Man's Libertarian White Paper. But what are, who are some people to elaborate principles? Let me quote to you some proto type libertarians. And one of them is Thomas Jefferson. The idea that Thomas Jefferson would be a Democrat would have caused a revolution from him. But Thomas Jefferson, quote, I don't care if you worship one God, 20 gods, or no God. It doesn't pick my pocket and it doesn't break my leg. In other words, live and let live. What a concept. That's pure libertarian. And I expect that most people listening right now would agree that they are libertarian, at least in that way. A number, another one, Milton Friedman. I mean, what a hero. Quote, incentives matter, unquote. Ha, huh, no kidding. Liberty is to be stressed, he says, but where government is involved, it should strive for a world in which people are held responsible for their own behavior and are able to profit from their own industry. Ha, huh, what a concept. They're held responsible for their own behavior, but able to profit from their own industry. Why? Well, Dr. Friedman taught us, quote, we get more of what we subsidize and less of what we tax. Again, we get more of what we subsidize and less of what we tax, unquote. So what are we subsidizing today in large part? All around the block, victimization, excuses, and lack of productivity. And what are we taxing? We're taxing success. And so what are we getting more of? And the answer to that question is obvious. So I care about people. I want them to, to thrive. So we need to let people get up, stand up, roll their sleeves up, and profit from their endeavors. That brings me into another really important question. And this is a quote from Henry Ford, who candidly is not my favorite person in the world because I think he was anti-Semitic. But nonetheless, he said, quote, any people who feel that they can prosper by relying on the government should talk to the American Indian, unquote. That is self-explanatory. Look what their reliance upon the Bureau of Indian Affairs has done for the Native Americans for the last, what, 250 years? It is a trap. Quote Milton Friedman again. This is a revolution. We should judge our programs by their results, not their good intentions. 
what a revolution that would be. Oh, all of these good intentions, minimum wage, good intentions probably results in many, many people losing their jobs. We'll talk about this later in some of our programs. But this approach would also counteract the multiple times that when something goes wrong in society, politicians have a universal tendency simply to pass another law to address it. You know, it doesn't matter if the law works or not, but only if politicians are seen as doing something. Now, look, I'm sorry, I've become a little bit cynical, but it's the way our society, our government is set up. Politicians do not care about the future. They do not care about the future. They only care about the next election. So if they're seen as passing a law that addresses this, whether it works or not is irrelevant. They're seen as doing something. So if placed into effect, Dr. Friedman's change in approach, again, would just cause a positive revolution in our country. So libertarians believe in accountability at all levels of government. And a libertarian government would provide for regular public transparent audits of all government agencies, as well as what we call sunset laws that would require every number of years, say every seven years, that every government agency individually and publicly on a scheduled basis would come to come to Congress, show what they've done, show how much money they've spent, give us their future goals, what they're expecting in the future and another budget for it, so we could see if in fact it's working. Now, if we were to do that and pass sunset laws, numbers of agencies are duplicating efforts of other agencies. Are they making progress? The government keeps getting bigger and bigger. The United States government is the largest company in the world today spends more money, larger, bigger bureaucracy, more employees. Are we getting our money's worth? In fact, a lot of times, as we'll show in our All Rise segments, it's counterproductive. But at least we would be resulting in a leaner, more cost-effective, and transparent government. We should all join hands to require sunset laws with regard to our various agencies and maybe even some laws themselves. So if we were to do that, who would be some winners under a libertarian government? And the first is comes to mind, students would be winners and good teachers would be winners. You know, come on, look around us. It is no secret that too many public schools today are failing our students, failing our children, and most of them, lamentably, are in the lower economic areas, which, of course, regretfully often affect people of color. And this result is frequently not for funding because many of them, such as those, for example, the school districts in the District of Columbia, are among the highest funded public schools in the nation. Instead, the failure is because a lack of competition. They're top-heavy with bureaucracy, etc. There's no accountability. So what's the solution? Empower parents to choose where and how their government money will be spent for the education of their children. I had school choice when I moved down to Irvine, for example, in California. The, one of the attractive features was it has a good school district. Or if, if not, I could afford to put our child in a, in a private school. But the lower economic areas do not have that opportunity. So if the parents were to be able to choose where their government money would be spent, they would demand excellence. And you know what? They would receive it. 
I ran for U.S. for vice president of the United States in 2012 as a libertarian candidate with Governor Gary Johnson from New Mexico, and it was kind of embarrassing. I found myself in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, going through this, and people started shaking their fingers at me and saying, no, we, Judge Gray, we don't have any bad schools anymore. We have had school choice for the last 10 years, and all the schools are better competition will do this, students will come out ahead, and of course, good teachers will come out ahead as well because they'll be in greater demand and be paid accordingly. So we'll have discussion in a future segment of All Rise about school choice. We'll talk about various things all around the country where it is working. Another group of people that will be coming out ahead is young people. You know, I'm older. We of the older generation are mostly doing pretty well financially. You know, our house are paid for, and I have some investments, a retirement plan, Medicare, Social Security, mostly paid for by younger workers. And we have to take our blinders off. There are financially issues today where Medicare, Social Security, the way they're going, will not be available for our young younger people when they're anywhere near our wages. And in addition, you know, this whole situation surrounding retirement pensions for federal, state, local government workers, all of our government literally will be bankrupt by the time our children are even close to middle age. You look at it, most of them have more obligations financially than they have money coming in. So guess who will be forced to shoulder the burden of bailing out our country from this financial irresponsibility? Our children and our grandchildren. What a legacy. I'm involved right now with something called the World Affairs Council of Orange County. and We bring in speakers who are involved in international relations. And we recently had uh, ambassador, former ambassador John Negroponte, who's just been a classic public servant, been the ambassador to numbers of countries, worked in the State Department. And at the end, in our question and answer, someone said, well, ambassador, you had been quoted earlier as saying uh, something the most important threat to our national security what is it? And without blinking an eye, this experienced man who has nothing to gain or lose said the biggest threat to our nation's security is our fiscal debt, is the national debt where we're approaching a trillion dollars a year. It's the biggest threat to our national security. And he's right. And no one is discussing it today in government. They're blindly. The Republicans and the Democrats are simply adding to that, that deficit to the expense of our children. What a legacy. Libertarians are the only ones that will address that. Think about that. What a legacy we're leaving to our children, this problem. Others, other people who will benefit are people on a fixed income, many elderly people, baby booners who are poor, live on meager fish, fixed incomes, uh, are going to face real problems when the dollar starts to inflate, which it is now, but it can continue to be devalued except in a libertarian uh, government. Uh, so it is totally irresponsible to have these, these, these deficits. We must stand up and be responsible. Who else is going to win? Healthcare professionals. You know, as we travel more deeply into socialized medicine, we can see that it's the administrators instead of the healthcare professionals that are getting greater financial benefits. If we want our healthcare to be run by the equivalent of the Department of Motor Vehicles instead of a coalition of us and our healthcare professionals, we're well on our way toward that end. It is a disaster. It's already here and it's only getting worse. We'll have a segment. Uh, with a medical doctor talking about what it was like to practice medicine 20 years ago, 10 years ago, as opposed to now. 
we have the lower economic classes, including the homeless. We have a proposal. We're going to have a segment on this. Oh, it's going back to Milton Friedman, putting in a system in which we could convert away from an income tax and over to a graduated flat tax on a sliding scale where people would at all levels have an incentive to earn the extra dollar and we would have some stipends paid to people that had no money. You know, I don't care if you lost your job to a robot or you're just plain lazy or you want to go back to school. If you're 18 years of age or older and a citizen of our country or having a green card, you will be given a stipend of a certain amount of money that you can use to support yourself, do away with all other welfare and all that bureaucracy and fraud and encourage people to earn the extra money because you'll always have that incentive. Remember, incentives matter. And what about the homeless? I assure you that if they were to have have a certain amount of money in their ATM account, in effect, the equivalent every month, the private sector would rally to provide areas for dormitory-type living for the homeless. These are things that critically are important. Only a libertarian government will put this in. Another group that will win is members of the armed forces and their family. We have an absolute obligation to these people who are receiving orders to go and go into different battle zones, etc. They have an absolute right to know that it's for the good of our national security, our national interests. And they fully know that they could be wounded, they could be killed, excuse me, uh, uh, either physically or mentally, psychologically, come back with these problems. The Veterans Administration... It's a direct violation of our of our contractual rights not to take care of our veterans once they come back with these maladies. We'll have a program on that. So these are where we're going. We're even going to talk about immigration. You know, it's a complex problem. It could have been fixed decades ago, but the Republicans and Democrats, almost literally many high-ranking, do not want that to happen. Why? Because many Republicans love the idea of the cheap labor, and a lot of the Democrats like the idea that bring in more people to the country and they'll vote for Democrats. In fact, they don't know. It's a hard thing to say, but they really don't want them to get better off financially because then they'll start voting Republican, but they, they just have this immigration system that's broken. So we will discuss how we can make that better, and, uh, and it can be done. People who are incarcerated, you know, we, the United States of America leads the world in the incarceration of our people, both by sheer numbers as well as per capita. This must change. So these are people that are going to be gaining out of our, out of our uh, new libertarian way. The people that will lose are teachers that can't teach, recipients of corporate welfare, people that love polarization, we've got to do better. So we're going to come back in our last segment and talk about more upcoming segments that we're planning for giving for you for an open and honest discussion here at All Rise, the Libertarian Way with Judge Jim Gray. We'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England, along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week, and each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. After years of waiting, there's a radio show for shotgunning enthusiasts worldwide. Tune into Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation for the very best in wing and clay shooting talk. Join Marty and his guests as they bring you hunting and shooting information that you can use. So whether you're a beginner or a seasoned pro, this show can be your go-to source for wing and clay shooting information. Listen live every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific for Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to All Rise, The Libertarian Way with retired Judge Jim Gray. To find out more about Judge Gray, visit JudgeJimGray.com. That's JudgeJimGray.com. Now, back to All Rise. And in fact, back indeed. And I'm proud that the Voice America channel asked me what background music I'd like to use. And this uh, actually comes from a musical I've written called American Zoll, which is meant to, in effect, mentor our high school kids. And uh, so that was the theme song that you just heard. If anyone is interested in this, again, contact me. Uh, It's Jim P. Gray at sbcglobal.net. And if you'd like to have your high school or community group uh, perform my musical, well, I'll send you some information. It's just kind of fun. And now I know before we get back to these serious issues, uh, I'm going to ask a question. I know it's been on everyone's mind. Uh, what do you call a cow that's just given birth? Uh, I know that's a critical issue, but what, is, what do you call a cow that's just given birth? And the answer is, of course, decaffeinated. So at any rate, to get back to more serious issues. Thomas Jefferson famously made a comment just after the passage of the Constitution that we're going to have to have in our country a bloody revolution every generation to keep the vested interests at bay. 
Now, fortunately, our Constitution has given us the ability to have this revolution not be bloody, but how long has it been? Ask yourself, how long has it been since we've had any form of real medical, excuse me, uh, political revolution in our country? Uh, you might say that Trump is, and, and there's something to talk about, but a fundamental revolution, maybe back in the 1860s when the Whigs took lost power to the Republican Party. So ask yourself further, how long has it, how strong have the vested interests become since that time. You know, ancient Rome paid homage to liberty for the common man and for a short time republicanism. But in reality, what they had was a constant struggle between the privileged classes and the lower classes. And of course, the vested privileged classes almost always won. And we're seeing that in our country now today. And similarly, you may remember from history, Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses on the Castle Church in Wittenberg to protest the excess power of the Catholic Church. It's time that we do the same thing now in our country as Martin Luther did back then. So again, if you're interested in my libertarian, it's one man's libertarian white paper, contact me on my email address, or if you ever have any questions. Uh, if you have some questions that I think would be interesting for all, I'll mention them and, and discuss them on our next show. Otherwise, I will respond to you individually. So remember, the, Repu the Libertarian Party is ready, and it's the only hope in sight. So what are our upcoming shows? Well, we're going to have Major Neil Franklin from the Baltimore Police Department, who's now the executive director of a speakers group called LEAP, which is Law Enforcement Action Partnership. It began as being a group called LEAP, Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. I'm a speaker in this. I've been speaking out against our nation's policy of drug prohibition, actually, since 1992. But he's going to discuss what it's like to be a police officer, the function of the police, which, is, of course, extremely important in our country, uh, so many Many of them are just honest, hardworking, caring people uh, doing their best to keep us safe. Uh, and uh, then he's going to say how he evolved into the same decision I did, that drug prohibition simply is not working and causing enormous harm to ourselves and the world. We'll have a segment about that. Another segment with regard to our medical system our health care system. We're going to have a medical doctor, Clark Smith, actually, uh, who's going to be on our show soon on one of our segments here on the Variety Channel. And we're going to talk about what it was like for him to have practiced medicine 20 years ago, 10 years ago, and the restrictions that the government has put on, the restrictions by insurance companies, and how we can do better. He's the first person that ever mentioned the term medical savings accounts to me. We're going to say how that can be used to bring competition back, healthcare increased, and we're going to make progress there. We're going to hear about some really important program from a foundation going on in Nepal, where I have a good friend, a, met, a uh, attorney that I met. Uh, he actually started trying a case in my courtroom. It's the only time it really ever happened to me that I thought, when this case is over, I'd like to get this, know this guy better. His name is Ron Kohut, and he is involved in something called the Nepal Youth Foundation. And we're going to talk about the enormously wonderful things that this foundation is doing for the people out and the cast outs in Nepal. It will really raise your spirit level. You're going to appreciate knowing that these things are happening, and we're going to talk about them. We're going to again see that the private sector does a much, much better job than government does helping people. I mean, Bill Gates and all, uh, what they do is marvelous, far, far better, more bang for your buck in the private sector than in government.
We're going to talk about dispute resolution. In fact, I have a fellow judge named Judge Frank Fermat who actually emigrated from Cuba when he was young. He'll talk about that experience a little bit, what he has seen in this country, how he values this country, and he's just a wonderful human being, a fantastic judge, really good at dispute resolution. We'll talk about mentoring our children. By the way, we'll mention at that time, you know, it's, it's kind of amazing, the word listen and the word silent have the same letters. They're just juxtaposed, and there should be. There is that connection. You can't learn when you're talking. You can't help resolve disputes when you're talking. You have to listen, and of course, to do that, you have to be silent. We're going to have a segment on the death penalty. I've written several articles about this. We'll talk about it later, but no matter what your political philosophy, no matter what your philosophy is, the death penalty is not working, and we're going to bring somebody really knowledgeable. Uh, I'm working to have someone that everybody knows who that, who that fellow is, uh, talking about the death penalty and talking about how uh, it should, in effect, be the eliminated from our society. Uh, we're going to talk about the justice system. We're going to have a criminal defense attorney. Again, make the system work. The epitome of an example of making the system work is being a criminal defense attorney. They are, it's the, there for the grace of God go I. All of us could at some point uh, be charged by the government. I still remember hearing when I was a federal prosecutor, and I actually heard this, uh, where at arraignment, the judge has a case called out, and it's United States of America versus Smith. And Mr. Smith was there thinking, oh, my God, the entire government is against me. Oh boy, that's, that's shocking. But we need criminal defense attorneys to make the system work. We're going to have a wonderful fellow here. His name is Alan Cravaro, who's been a lifelong criminal defense attorney. We're going to show how he helps to make the system work. Uh, by the way, we're going to use what I call lexicons and uh, I'll give one, you know, try to throw a little humor in this, because why not? We've got to continue to, to laugh at ourselves and have a good time. So I'll ask you the question, one of those, it's a lexophile, actually. Uh, what do you call an animal that has only a nose, uh, has a nose and nothing else? What do you call an animal that has only a nose? And the answer is, of course, nobody knows. So, okay, I just enjoy these. We're going to share them. We're going to have a whole segment on entrepreneurship. We're going to bring in one, maybe two people that have started companies from scratch uh, and been very successful. Of course, they understand if you're in the service business, if you provide a good or a service that for a reasonable fair price that's quality, you're always going to be successful or most always. We're going to bring in someone who is uh, in the entrepreneurship business and really understands this. It's going to be exciting. We're going to have some fun and also learn a great deal. We're going to learn about our Constitution. I already have lined up a, a former member of Congress named Tom Campbell, who also was the chair of the Haas School of Business at the University of California at Berkeley, uh, the the dean of the law school at Chapman University, a longtime friend, very educated guy. We're going to talk about the Constitution. You're going to learn, by the way, I've thrown myself into this because I've written a second musical along with two partners called Convention, The Birth of America. And uh, we found out, I learned that, of course, at the Constitutional Convention, they had all 55 delegates and they, they fought and they debated and they had different views. But all of them, to a man, because there were only men at the Constitutional Convention, to a person. The most important function of government to those delegates was to protect our civil liberties and our rights from the encroachment of government. 
The second most important was security. The first was liberty. We're going to discuss that with with, uh, Representative Campbell and show how we've gotten away from that uh, with the so-called Patriot Act, with the drone surveillance, the rest of that, and how we can bring it back. Uh, We're going to bring in someone on education. We just talked a little while ago about uh, school choice. We're going to talk more completely about this. You're going to be excited about this. You're going to see how school choice is the way that we should go. We're going to have a segment with regard to mentally ill and and the recognize the signs and how we can help these people. We Today, in Orange County, where I'm from in California, Los Angeles County, and probably every county in which all of you are living, the largest so-called mental health facility is the county jail, doing untold damage to these mentally fragile people. And uh, by the way, it costs the taxpayers. This is easily the most financially expensive way to go. Uh, We're going to discuss this. We're going to talk about homeless. We're going to talk about the commonalities of the world's religions and philosophies. It's amazing that there is, we talk so much about the differences, and there certainly are some, but the common thread, for example, is the golden rule. You know, in one fashion or another, they discuss how just do unto others as they would have you do unto you. We need to focus that we're all here on this earth. We're all, in one way or another, uh, thrown into some social values, some religious values, because of where we're growing. We need to understand understand that we have commonalities, that we're all the same. We're going to talk about CBD oil, for example, which comes from cannabis. Uh, it will be a medical revolution in our country. has no mind-altering properties whatsoever, but uh, I can tell you, inflammation, pain, sleeping, this will be a beneficial revolution in our country, CBD oil, that it's been a crime against us because our government has prohibited this for so long. We're going to talk about the war in Afghanistan, how we got there, uh, what to do now. Uh, it's been a trap that we have fallen into, and we're going to discuss These various things, again, with the understanding that I don't have all the answers, none of my guests will have all the answers, we want to generate a discussion with you, our audience here at All Rise on the Voice America Variety Channel. So, again, we understand life is complicated. You've heard that here first, okay? I'm sorry to say so bluntly, life is complicated. But if responsible leaders do not discuss these issues back and forth, it will create a us versus them, and we'll have so-called leaders that will exploit these various issues. You know, play on emotions, trying to generate fear, trying to put us against them. We're the good guys, they're evil. It's not true. We have all of this fear. We have all this finger pointing in society, and that is our enemy. The demonization, by the way, to demonize one group of people is the first step to war. We're Americans. We're open to free and full discussion. We're going to pull together for the greater good. And when we have regained the spirit, we will all rise together. This is Judge Jim Gray. This is the libertarian way with Judge Jim Gray. I assure you we don't have all the answers, but let's have this discussion. Let's join hands and realize that shouting at each other, demonizing each other doesn't work, and we should do away with those so-called leaders, elected or otherwise, that focus on fear for their own benefit. That's what's happening. We see it all the time. They're trying to get these little political victories at our expense. 
The libertarian way is a better way. It doesn't have all the answers. In fact, I'm not a purist. I'm not philosophical on that regard. Let's adopt programs that work. So we'll talk to you again next Friday and every Friday at 7 o'clock Eastern, excuse me, 7 o'clock Pacific time, 10 o'clock Eastern time uh, here on the Libertarian Way with Judge Jim Gray. And if you have any questions, once again, just as we close, it's Jim P. Gray at sbcglobal.net. We're here to have an open and honest discussion and, by the way, a little fun along that way. So in the meantime, life is good. Talk to you again next week. Tell your friends. Tell your family. We're going to get these things done and have a lot of fun while we do it. So this is Judge Jim Gray saying talk to you next week. Thanks for listening today. All Rise, the Libertarian Way with retired Judge Jim Gray can be heard every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time and 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We know you'll want to join us again next week and tell your friends that help is on the way. Strengthen my thoughts that help us control.